This is Conversations with Corliss, the podcast that features real and inspiring people who are leading their lives with purpose, passion, and confidence. Through their stories, advice, and expertise, you will be empowered with tools and insights to become the leader you are meant to be. Your host, Corliss, is a Dare to Lead trained, certified success principles coach, best-selling author, and inspirational speaker. As an entrepreneur for more than two decades, she has coached, trained, and mentored thousands to tap into their personal power and realize their potential. Through her company, Corliss Co., she will help you dream again and break through what holds you back from leading the life you want to have. Connect with her today at corliss.ca. Hi, everyone. This is Conversations with Corliss, a real leadership podcast. Here we will talk about all the things it takes to bravely lead the life you deserve. Welcome to the conversation. You may have guessed it. My name is Corliss and I created this podcast simply because I want to help people and make a bigger impact. You see, one day I woke up in my 40s and realized time stands still for no one. With my kids more independent and my career not as fulfilling as it once was, I found myself wondering if this was it and what was next for me. I went looking for answers to recreate my life and I found them in having meaningful conversations with inspiring people. That's what we'll do here for you. Whatever you're looking for, I'm glad you're here. Aging has given me the invaluable insight that we should make every moment count. It's time to take charge of your life, to rise up and be all you can be. This podcast is meant to help you do that. So let's get started. This is episode 046, a conversation with my mom. Life doesn't come with a manual. It comes with a mother. In my life, many times, my mom has been my manual. I reference her all the time, whether it's advice about parenting, baking a family recipe, or what to do about a particular challenge I'm facing. My mom is often the first person I go to when looking for insight. Today, it's my pleasure to share my mom with all of you. So this is a different kind of podcast today. Today, I'm actually sharing my mom with you, which is kind of exciting for me. And, you know, in true mom style, I get a crazy idea. And then what do, what does a mom do, especially a good mom like mine, is they jump in and say, okay, sure, I'll try. So what I want you to know right off the bat here is that I often go to my mom for advice. I go to her for wisdom. And today it's really quite a big honor for me to be able to share her with all of you. So you want to say hi, mom. Welcome to the show. Hello. <laughs> so this is... <laughs> Out of the ordinary for my mom. She is not a professional speaker, and in some cases, she even thinks that maybe what she's got to share is not of value. But what I've assured her is that everyone who's listening today knows what it's like to navigate life as an ordinary person, and that as we go through life, what we do is we learn lessons along the way. And my mom here is here to share those lessons that she's learned in her own life, and I really am just really honored and excited that I get to to do this with her today. So we're going to talk about life. We're going to talk about family. We're going to talk about lessons learned. We're going to talk about marriage. She has been married to my dad for, I believe, 55 years. Is that right, Mom? It'll be 56 this fall. 
Wow. 56 years of marriage. They joke if we make it. <laughs> they joke if they make it, but quite honestly, I know they will. They're, I've actually watched them grow in love, you know, over the years. So it's right, quite beautiful. So why don't we maybe start there? Because a lot of the people that are listening, uh, you know, are in a relationship or in a marriage. Uh, why don't we just start there and talk about the secrets to a successful marriage? What would you say they are? I don't, you know, I don't really, I think, I think I've learned a lot of things over the years. I don't know if I really had a successful marriage to begin with because things were different then. Like women didn't have the expectations and I grew up as just a really poor girl who'd lost my dad. I, I lived in a, you know, fairly what they'd call dysfunctional home to begin with. And, and, um, I got, I got married very young because it was kind of an escape for me. And I really tried to fit it, fit in and, you know, do what, if sometimes it was just kind of sticking it out, but I had a family right away and I knew that my husband was a, good person and we had a lot of things in common but he's not really a communicator and I could say communication is really important but I think sometimes it's not just the verbal it's more you know the things that you do for each other and and the how, how you become necessary to each other like you you help to make somebody's life better and you know he certainly did you know uh, make you know he, he he made an effort to be a good husband and I think I think you just you just get more and more to rely on each other but it takes work like I mean, there's there's been days, <laughs> definitely, when we didn't really, well, I, I don't know, because he doesn't say too much, but there was times that I sure could have left, at least for a short while, but, you know, like I said, he's a good guy, and I mean, I was attracted to him in the first place, I think that's important, like, you know, and we both, we both have a strong faith. We, you know, we both have kind of the same, um, a lot of the same beliefs, although now I'm not really sure because I believe in reincarnation and I don't think he does, but... So perhaps what we're hearing here is that it's an evolving kind of journey and that who you were in the beginning is different than who you've become and that somehow through your marriage, you've been able to focus on, you know, loving each other, supporting each other, you know, despite it all. So how about this? Why don't you tell us in those times when you felt like you could walk away? Why didn't you? So what kept you going and what kept you, you know, fighting for your relationship, you know, even when it was difficult? Well, at first, I think it was my circumstances. I couldn't afford to go anywhere or handle my my children on my own. But I always knew that 
I could leave and I somehow would make it. So it wasn't just the circumstances. I think it was just because I knew that this too shall pass. And, you know, I just, I just knew that we did love each other and it probably would come back. I mean, the days that you don't feel very loving at all, they pass. Well, I remember one time you talking about you just have to make a commitment because you've referenced back in the day when, you know, you like back in the day, divorce wasn't an option. You figured it out. You made it work. And I think that's the kind of commitment that you're demonstrating here and that you're talking about, whereas things have kind of changed now where people maybe could make their marriage work. They could put the effort in, but then um, they just don't because they feel like they have an option. Is that is that true? Is that what you think? I I do think that it's true to a point, but I I think that you know when when you get married, if you marry somebody with a lot of the like same beliefs, I think that um m- well, most people I mean, I think I think a lot of marriages could work that that fail. If, if they tried a little harder, if they just didn't think it would be better, um, you know, to, to leave and, and do something else. Because, but, but I think there's some marriages that shouldn't stay together too. Like I, I, I totally agree with that. And I think sometime the, the differences are just, well, I think I, I think for sure abuse. I mean, for sure, my husband never abused me. I mean, he he might have been, you know, neglectful or indifferent at times or whatever things that I, I maybe needed, but but he was never abusive. He's just not that type of person. So I think be careful who you marry in the first place, you know. And and also even even if somebody is abusive if they genuinely want to change and do something about that, like go for counseling or, or, you know, really make the effort. I mean, I know people who, who have made a good marriage after, you know, after a really traumatic time, but, and, 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 and they're good and they're happy. And, you know, I think, especially if you have children, you really owe it to the kids to try to keep it together because they need their mom and dad to be on the same page as much as possible. And, you know, it's the kids who pay the price. But that, that being said, there's there's lots of parents who have divorced or, you know, and, and, and but, but still are good parents. So I'm not judging. I'm just... I'm just saying that you, you need it takes work. Yeah, and it's possible either either way too. Um, you know, like in a marriage you can make it work and you can put the effort in there or on the flip side if your relationship ends, uh, you can make it work on the other way around as well. So, what would you say to someone cuz we've had a conversation mom around this before and you maybe don't remember, but you had shared with me a while ago, and I had actually written it down because it really kind of impacted me. What are your beliefs around relationships? And what you had shared there was that you're put together to learn from each other. 
this was something that you had shared with me kind of not here today, but in another conversation. Uh, do you still believe that? Or what did you well, mean by I, that? No, I do for sure. And, you know, I, I like, I mean, I, I think that people should be careful and, and, and take marriage or even, you know, common law marriage, whatever. Uh, I think that, that they should consider and take it seriously. But I don't think really that people make mistakes. Or if, if the intentions are good, you know, like if, I mean, if you do something bad that you know is bad, then that's a poor decision. But if you go into something with the right idea, I think it's right. I think you're meant to learn whatever you do, whatever you do learn from that and, and you go on. I mean, I think about it sometime because I married really young and I, I think I could have probably done something different with my life, but I don't think that my life was a mistake either because you know, I have eight kids, you know? Yeah. And it turned and, out the way that it is. You can yeah, always find the good yeah. in things, right? Yeah. Yeah. Okay. So let's talk about that a little bit. So you have been like on the farm with dad for all these years. You have eight children, you're raising them, you're growing them. And then at some point in your life, you know, after your sixties, after your kids were grown and, and kind of on their own. And you said to yourself, you know what, I want my own thing. And weren't you like 60 something when you went out and said, I'm going to go and get my first job? I think I was 58. And I approached the manager of a store and said, "Uh, I'd like to work here. (laughs) Okay. And why did you do that? So let's say like, let's talk about that. So because sometimes I think what happens is people are kind of going through life, something feels like it's missing. Clearly, this was something that you felt like was missing in your own life. And then they don't act upon it. But you did. So why did you act upon that? What was the feeling you were having? It goes it goes way back from when I was a child. My parents, for some reason, and I, I don't really know why because I don't think I'm unintelligent, but they said I was just not very smart for some reason. They, they called me a dummy. And I did not know. Even though we had run the farm successfully and I had raised kids and you know, operated a family and a household, I didn't know whether I could do anything else. I don't, I didn't, I was insecure about whether I could actually do a job. And it wasn't very long that I was at that job that I realized I definitely could have. I I definitely was doing a good job and I was, I could have like become a supervisor or a manager I knew that I could because I saw what they were doing and I was perfectly capable to, but I didn't know that at the time. And my job really gave me uh, an identity because before that, it was the farm and it was my husband's farm. I moved to into his life and even though I worked alongside of him, it was his. I never got a check in my name. Uh, I never, it, it, you wouldn't believe I had, it was such a, I like, I laugh about it now, but when somebody said to me, 
hello there and talk, talk for a minute in a store. And my husband said, who's that? And I said, oh, somebody from work. It was the first time that I had ever been the one that knew somebody that he didn't. Because he was, I would always be the one asking him, who's that guy? Because he was, he was like, I didn't, I didn't have an identity. And then when I started to earn money of my own, it was like pretty nice. You know, that's neat. So I think a lot of women struggle with identity because who are we outside of our roles as mothers, you know, as wives, we a lot of us struggle with that. So I think the big thing that I'd like you, the audience, to kind of take away from my mom's example here is that if something is missing and you're not really sure if you can do it, kind of venture outside of that comfort zone and say, well, okay, I'm going to just try and I'm going to see. And you might learn that you're much more capable than you even credited yourself for. I think that's a really valuable lesson there. So I want to ask you a little bit more about that. So when you had your children, I actually want to back up a little bit and talk about, so you, you get married, you have your family, there's ups and downs, you don't really know, you're growing and evolving with your husband, and then you start having a family, you had, I mean, eight of us, like, whoa, uh, that's a big family, of course. Over, now Over 20 years. Yeah, that's, like, a, that's a long time to be having it, children. It is. <laughs> it is. I only had three and I'm like, whoa, that's a lot. Okay, but I, I want to start with this question. Do you think that children are born to us for a reason? Absolutely, for sure. Yes, I do. And I think that they're all different, which is, seems crazy because they're born to the same parents. Uh, they are raised by the same people. They come from the same circumstances. They're a little bit different maybe, but, you know, there there's a difference being the first and the eighth, for sure. Everybody thinks the eighth is more spoiled. But our circumstances financially got better by the time our youngest was, you know... Grow, growing up as a teenager and stuff, but we we still, uh, you know, she she didn't feel like she didn't feel like she had it easier, but she did. Just for the record, I'm just saying, <laughs> just joking, Maria. That's from my sister. But no, I come back to the question though, Mom. Like, why why do you think that children are born to us? Like, there. Why do you think? Why do you believe that? I I think that I think that for some maybe some people don't don't need that i i i'm not you know i i don't i don't think everybody has to have children but i think that i probably really did need it and so did dad um you know he we both of us well it's just crazy you know you you don't even know how you can love those people so much until you until you have them and may, maybe some people don't need that but I guess we we did and and uh, 
I mean, so you're saying that not, you feel like they were sent, they're, like they're sent to you, like those who need it, because this might come back to the relationships that we're talking about, is that relationships, you know, put you together to learn, not just in marriage. But I know I've learned a lot from my siblings, and it sounds like you're saying that each of your children taught you something different and enhanced your life in that way. So maybe that's the reason. For sure. For sure. I think, Yeah. Well, and now that there's, I mean, the world changes and not, we necessarily, we didn't necessarily change with it. I mean, how would I understand any of this technology stuff if I didn't have kids? I mean, just like in that way, but, but even just seeing them, you know, in their struggles with their, with their kids and with their, um, with their relationships it helps us to to re, you know to realize that you know the people the people that our kids bring into our lives so sometimes you know they teach you quite a bit too it's it's like a big circle of life. Every relationship brings something to your life. Okay, so what are the biggest things that you've learned from raising kids? Like if you could put it into like point, point, point for all the parents that are listening out there. And my big question is, how did you stay sane? Because I know that except for me, uh, you know, the other ones weren't all angels. <laughs> Just joking. I wasn't either. Um, but what it like... You what is the biggest thing? You especially worked. <laughs> okay, I don't think everyone needs to know that. <laughs> now, having said that, how did you stay sane? Having eight children? I don't know. I think I must be pretty efficient. <laughs> <laughs> like, no, there no, there was times that, like, it was like, okay. I mean, yeah. I, I'm pretty strong-willed, but so are my kids. And it was a battle. It was like, um, hey... It's either me or them, and it's damn well not going to be me that backs down here or that ends up loony or something. Well, you know, you used to say to me, this was a long time ago, that you used to say to me when I was raising my own kids, I think it was with my daughters, and you said, you know, when you've got a strong-willed child, you don't really want to break that because that's going to mean that they're strong enough to be able to stand up for themselves and do what's right for them. I'm not saying break that, except... If it's when I when I think that they're putting themselves or someone else in danger, you know, I mean, teenagers can be pretty, you know, like, I mean, if you didn't, if you didn't um, give a curfew or didn't or didn't, I mean, I waited up, you know, how many years I waited up when kids, when teenagers were supposed to be coming home and they knew I'd be there. Mm-hmm, for sure. Like, so following through, but I think that's one of the values too, is like you show your kids you love them by, you know, having boundaries, having rules, and then following through because you care enough. I I think that's certainly something that I learned from you as well. Oh, for sure. For sure. Uh, you know, and I mean, I, I didn't, I, I didn't know a lot of times some of the things that I found out years later, but it's a good thing that I didn't because I would have been pretty stressed at the time. But, uh, you know, I, I mean, I think that, you know, this this COVID, it brings that to my mind, is that I feel really, really bad for the young people who should be able to go out and have fun with their friends right now. And they're not able to because, 
it's too dangerous for getting the virus. And like, that's a real gap in their lives. I think it's, it's important to, to go and enjoy yourself with, you know, in those, especially in those early teen years, like it's, it's part of uh, their development. And, and I'm, I'm, I'm hoping that everybody can have at least a couple of good friends. Mm-hmm. Last summer, I participated in a 21-day challenge that changed my life. There was something so powerful about having a focus every day, and the 21 days was long enough to create a big change, but not too long that I couldn't follow through with everything else happening in my life. This inspired me to design a personal growth challenge of my own. I called it the power of you and feedback told me it was such a powerful experience. I ended up creating a second challenge called the best you. How did it work? You might wonder. Well, every day for 21 days, participants received an inspiring lesson into their inbox with the first seven days focused on making peace with the past, the next seven on living in the moment and the final seven on propelling into the future. The challenge included daily, easy to understand video lessons and access to the guided journal to help them reflect and apply the teaching to their lives. Usually we begin and move through the program together day by day, but after mega requests to access the program anytime, I am thrilled to offer to you for a limited time, lifetime access to both programs. All 42 lessons can be yours to access anytime you like. This is like having personal growth on demand. To live your best life, you must work on yourself consistently. You can't help anyone until you help yourself. Invest in you today at corliss.ca. Okay, so biggest things, raising eight, three, eight kids. So just say if you could give me your top three, three things that you learned raising, raising us. That I learned for me or that I learned or that you I learned about parenting. Learn, that I learned about parenting. Um, I think, I think just trying to practice patience and to realize that they, they need, they need your time. They need, they need to know they're loved. Um, you know, I, like, I, I think you can preach the things about, you know, be honest, be, be, um, set standards for yourself but you have to live them too in order to you know like I mean I'm I'm really against bad language and I I used to have this discussion with my teenage daughters that said mom everybody talks like that and I said well that but that's the standard that you set for yourself uh, you wouldn't roll out of bed and, and go to school without brushing your teeth or your hair or putting on makeup or whatever. And they just looked at me like, uh, duh. And I said, well, I mean, that's, you, you just, you just set a standard for yourself on how you would act out in the world. And, and I, you know, I mean, I, I don't always, um, you know, I mean, I live on the farm, but I, I try to keep clean and I try to, you know, keep, keep a decent house and whatever. And that, and that's like, I, I don't really know. 
Well, what I'm what, hearing, what I'm hearing is that you're you're saying that it's like teach our children to set standards for themselves and then also set that example ourselves. Or try to anyway. Yeah, anything else? Um Hmm. Well, I okay, let me let me just uh tell you where I'm going with this here because you taught all of us kids to grow up in faith. And I'm talking faith, not necessarily religion, but just grow up in faith and believing in something that we can't see. Why is that important? I think it's the most important. I think that is the most important. Because if you, you, everybody is going to come up in their lives against times when there's things you just don't understand and that are so hard to take. And, and so, you know, just, it, it makes you feel so insufficient, so, so sad uh, that, that I think you have to have faith. And I th- you know what? I think that goes back to the question you said, what keeps you sane uh, that, you know, in raising kids is that I, I have a strong faith. Like I just believe that you know it was it's happening as it's meant to be yes and that it will all be okay and that there's a bigger picture yeah and that's an important thing to teach our children and I I wanted you to share about this because I in particular really believe that like what I'm hearing is is that you know, we're all going to face these challenges. We're going to have hard times. Pandemics are going to hit. We're going to have financial crisis. We're going to suffer loss. There's, I mean, that's just life. There's going to be the ups and downs and the hardships and the tough times. And a lot of times when you feel like you're not strong enough, it's when you have to be able to draw on that there's something bigger and that this is aligning somehow some way in a bigger picture that I don't understand at this time and that's the kind of faith that I'm talking about whether you practice religion or spirituality whatever it is it's just believing in something bigger and and I just want to say before I ask my mom the next question that I in particular really did not love getting in the van all of us every Sunday morning going to church sitting in the pew with all my siblings oh my goodness didn't love that but I'm really glad that I had that experience and I'm not suggesting that you have to do that, but what it taught me was that there is something bigger and that you have to have a commitment to follow through on that, however you choose to do that. But there's something bigger at work, whatever that is that you choose to believe. And then you have to show up for your children and you know the people in your family with a commitment to teach that, to believe that, and to not just say it, but actually live it. I think it's part of values as well. So with that, mom, like, let's talk about the storms that you faced and different things that you've gone through where you had to blindly rely on your faith to persevere. How did you do that? Was it in reading books? Was it in praying? Was it in reaching out to someone? What What did you do when you had to go blindly on faith? I did pray and I reached out to those who had gone before me. Like my, I mean, my dad died as a young man. Um, And although he had his issues and I don't know what would have happened had he lived, but I, I always knew that he loved us 
kids. And I felt that he loved me even though he wasn't still there. And several times I reached out to him and I I knew that he I knew that it would be okay that we'd come through. Mm, and that's we did. beautiful. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. That's a really, that's a really beautiful point because we all lose people that we love, and somehow, if we can just connect that they're still there in some way, we can still feel it. That's really nice, mom. So, talking about you know that, like, what about what did you learn most from your mom? So, in past stories, you guys have heard me. My my listening audience has heard me talk about different stories of of my grandma. And how grandma's lamp, I was named after my grandma, and my grandma's lamp is right here in my office, right behind me and my mom, where we're sitting right now. And um, although you weren't always close with your mom, I don't think. I mean, no, I was not. But you learned a lot from her. What did you learn from her? I felt she was really disappointed in me uh, most most of the time. And it, it wasn't, you know, it's really, really sad that it wasn't until she died that I realized more, much more, what a great example she was on getting, because, I mean, I'm getting old. I'm old. Uh, she did it with grace. She she didn't complain about it. And she had, like, she was by herself. And, um, you know, she was she was grateful for a lot of a lot of things that you know I think we just take for granted but she she came she grew up you know much with much less than what we had and so she was she was really uh grateful for all the things that she had and and the good the good times and and uh, I think she Okay, I, so, okay, I, yeah, okay, so just so that, I mean, Grandma, like, awesome, but, like, why is gratitude important? Because now you've got me thinking about that. Why is being grateful important? And perhaps you've learned that from your mom. Oh, uh, well, I don't know if I learned it from my mom, but I've I've learned it in the last, you know, after mom died, uh, my sisters and I got really much closer together, and we share a lot of... um we 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 talk every day we text every day and uh like i've gotten to really know them and the how how it's amazing how we lost touch with each other but yet we have come to be so close to each other and and we um are so different in some ways and yet totally the same in others. And grandma, the grandma's passing brought you closer together because you had things to talk about and you needed to do that. And yes, well, I, I got the iPad and learned how to text, which I thought I didn't need and could live without, but I can't live without it now. (laughs) (laughs) But, but, um, yeah, the, you know, I, I, I let them, I contacted them and let them know what was happening with grandma just about every day. And like when she got sick. You yes. Mean. When mm-hmm. she got sick. Well, even before, even before she was, she had, she had, had a couple of small, um, 
can't remember what they call it, those little strokes, the mini things. Mm -hmm. And so her doctor had had uh, called me in for a meeting because I'm the only one of us siblings that live here. And so she called us, called me in and, and told me I needed to be in contact with my mom every day. So through that, um, I, I contacted my sisters and told them what was happening, how she was, what, you know, and we got, we got to just be, um, you know, we got closer. Yeah. 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 And we, we conversed with each other about other things then as well about our own families about well this is interesting how you're saying that because like when we were talking about marriage and you were saying you know communication it sounds like opening up communication with your siblings gave you because of grandma kind of pulled you together for you to grow closer in relationship so communication is really a key to all relationships not just to marriage well I would say so yeah uh yeah Okay, so what advice would you give younger generations? So if you could like think of like top three things, like think about your grandchildren, think about your great grandchildren, <laughs> like what would you, what advice would you want to give a younger generation? Well, I think that if you live with gratitude, your life is 100% better than people who dwell on what they don't have or what they want. I think that you need to be prepared to work. I don't think you can expect a free ride. I think you have to be prepared to work hard. I think you can expect to fail because failure is how you learn. That's, you know, that you you have to, you, you can't always have success. And if if you only can be happy if you have success, then you're failing because there's there's going to be hardship in everyone's life in some way. I, I think even, you know, I mean, I'm just picking a name, Bill Gates, like his family, they must have challenges. Uh, like, I, I think it's not about money. It's a, a, like there's there's a whole world of possessions out there that you could dream about. But they don't really make you happy, so you have to you have to work hard at what you what what it is that you want, whether it's relationships or a business or a career or or your family. You have to be prepared to work. Like you, ha I I admire hardworking people. I and I believe that it's something that that I, I thankfully. Our family are hard workers, so that's good. Well, does hard work contribute to success, you think? So I like how you've referenced relationship, career, whatever it is that you want to go after. You're going to have to work for it. Like you have to get up and show up, right? So is that is that why a work ethic is so important? Well, or maybe it connects to the standards you were talking about too. You know how you said like you get a standard? Because I know when I work really hard at something – like say it's a really big project and I work really hard at it or I'm going for something and thankfully my roots on the farm and that I learned from my parents is like you get up and you go to work and I work at it. Those are the most rewarding things when I complete them because I've put the effort in and made it happen. No, I think sometime things can 
I mean, I think you can you can get a reward that you don't necessarily work for. Like things can happen, but that's probably a new opportunity to do something with whatever happened. Like it's, I'm not saying that you have to work hard for every, you know, for every little iota of success in your life. Sometimes it just comes and look at it as a gift and, and be, and be grateful, be grateful and be happy to pass it on or to, um, share or to, or to do, do something good. Like, well, I think that's part of what you're wanting to pass on to the younger generations is like, do good with what you've got and, you know, give it your best and set standards for yourself. So what I'm hearing too, is that life isn't always black and white. Would you agree with that statement? Way more gray, <laughs> way more gray than the other. Agreed. Agreed. I've certainly learned that in my uh, first 50 years. So we'll see what we learn in the next 50. So after a lifetime of serving other people, we're going to talk about, you know, what's the next for you. But before I do that, I want to ask you about forgiveness and why you think that forgiveness is important. Well, they say that forgiveness is not for the other person. It's for yourself. And I think that, that there's truth in that. Because if you forgive, doesn't mean you forget, but you forgive, like you let it go. Then you, 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 you give your, I mean, it's almost like taking a deep breath. It's like, I don't have to deal with that anymore. I've let it go. I, I've, I don't, I, you know, I think a lot of times people are get into situations where there's something that seems unforgivable, whatever, but you don't know always what what happened in the other person's former life and why why they would treat someone this way or what whatever it was that happened you know um or or their own insecurities that that made them be this way whatever it's like i think you have to just let it go and not not let it be your responsibility and not hold it because then then you can move on. You can't move on. You're stuck when you won't forgive, you know. And, you know, I've heard that even, even as far as forgiving yourself, you know, like guilt and blame are, are just like they're emotions that serve, serve no good. They, they, they don't have good outcomes. So you, if you can, and you might have to work at it, but I think let it go. Mm. Let, let it go and... I mean, it's not, it doesn't mean that you forgive and you'll let them do it over and over again. Well, it doesn't mean that you become a doormat. It just simply means that you release yourself from it. Yeah. Yeah. And sometimes you might have to actually release yourself from relationships or people or circumstances that aren't, that aren't good for you, of course. But I like what you said about forgiveness is almost like a deep breath. It's like you can release and just move forward. And in my experience, I just want to say that forgiveness of myself or of other people that I feel like have, you know, wronged me, it has brought so much peace into my life to be able to do that. It's just release it. And Also, in my own experience, what I've learned to do is to replace it with just acceptance. Instead of trying to get people to be or do or behave in a way that I want them to, I have just learned to love and accept people 
as they are. And it doesn't necessarily mean that people are going to remain in my life because it might not serve me. But on the other side of it, it's like I can just accept it, just accept them for who they are and then just move forward with my own life in a peaceful in a peaceful kind of way. It takes practice, but I have learned that myself. Anything to add to that, Mom? No, I think you said it pretty pretty well. I, you know, there's, I, I mean, there's, uh, th- you know, things going on in the world that, you know, you, you, it's it's way too big out there. But I, I think we we've lived through bad prime ministers, bad presidents, bad, um, I don't know, whoever economic times. Yeah, like you know, mm-hmm. and and I think you know. It all teaches you something, whether to be more careful in how you personally spend, or, or, um, or to, or to just, or to enjoy money and and, uh, you know, I I think, I think everything teaches you something. Well, if you want to learn, some people are closed off to that, and they live in a place of bitterness and, you know, blame, and I mean, it's just it it's. It doesn't do anything to do that. It doesn't mean that you, you know, don't have your own beliefs or that you don't stand up for what you believe in. But on the other hand, if it eats all your energy, it can't be positive, can it? No, I, no, I, but uh, yeah, at the, at the same time, I think, you know, the people who, um, you know, are pretty negative, it's, either how they were taught or they just they just haven't been able to you know it's it's not they they probably don't want to be that way it's just you know easier maybe to be a victim I I guess I don't well there's that gray area again that we're talking it's not always black and white sometimes it's gray and each situation is just a little bit different as well I for sure could see that Um, Okay, so uh, I do have a couple other things that I wanted to ask you that actually some other people had asked me to to talk with you about. So I remember when I when my one of my daughters was struggling with something in particular, and I'm going to stand by my experience this I'm this is not my mom's experience, but definitely my experience that your your what you said to me a long time ago about little kids little problems big kids big problems and in my own life I certainly as a parent I certainly found that that as my kids got older the problems got bigger and my role changed I couldn't fix it for them even though I wanted to so what about you know advice for parents not advice but I guess wisdom that you've learned in in raising kids that sometimes it's not actually our responsibility as parents to fix everything how does our role change? I think you just have to learn to realize that even though they're your child, they aren't a child anymore, or even if they still are, like say a teenage child or whatever, it's their their thing that they have to go through. They have a right to it, and you have to let them live through it, and you can just be there to comfort, to to tell them you're there to to know that you know they have some some place to uh, fall back on, not necessarily financially, because you know sometimes you can't help and sometimes 
it wouldn't it wouldn't be really productive for them in in the long run but um they have to learn they have to learn their things and that's that's the only way that you or I mean that's one of the ways anyway that you learn is through some suffering yeah it's their journey it's not necessarily our responsibility i i know that that like I had to actually learn that because I, I felt like I really had to like, they're my child. I got to fix it for them. I want to try and make it better. And it's like, it's not really my responsibility. It's once they get older, it's their responsibility. They're responsible for their lives and what they're going through. And you had said to me one, one time in particular that I was really hurting because my child was hurting. And you said, when did you learn the most? You asked me when I learned the most in my life. And it was certainly when I was down, it was like, it was character building and it was my journey and I had to figure it out. And that's the same thing, you know, that's kind of brought me peace with my own children as well. So after a lifetime of serving others, mom, (laughs) what do you want to do just for yourself now? (laughs) Well, I've been out helping dad as mechanics helper, and it's definitely not that. <laughs> yeah, they've been working on some farm equipment, and she's learned from trying that that isn't her thing. Um, but what about your next chapter? Like, you've got a whole other chapter here. Is there anything else that you still want to do? I know one of the things that you learned that you really loved was a hot air balloon ride, like trying different oh. things. And like, what are some of the things that you still want to do? I don't know. I don't think I've ever really thought about it much. I, I, I am really afraid of things that might happen as we get older. And I don't know if I'm really a patient caregiver, if I have to be. So that's one thing that I don't want to be tested on. Uh, I don't, I don't, Right now, what I want the most is for COVID to be over and so that we can get together again and, you know, there's enjoy the simple things. There's times that with a big family that dad and I have thought, what did we do? Have all these kids and grandchildren over. Yeah. And it's like really loud. We're used to quiet now. And but you know now we're thinking oh that would be so nice. So is it by not having something? So that was actually one of my questions, and you just happened to remind me of it with this, with this, with what you just said. That sometimes doing without, and I think through COVID, many of us have recognized that is like when you don't have it, you learn to appreciate things in a different way. Absolutely, absolutely, and I think that's what a lot of the the negative stuff that happens in the world is about is to, you know, to, to learn from it and to adjust your attitude. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So true. Well, you know, like growing up, I mean, obviously eight kids, farmers, you guys had probably some financial pressures and I didn't always get everything that the other kids around me had. And now that I'm older, I've learned to really appreciate. So back to that gratitude that we were talking about, I appreciate my life. I appreciate, you know, when somebody makes a meal for me, I appreciate when I'm gifted with something. And I don't think that's possible unless you've actually been without. So now COVID is teaching us collectively, like life is fragile and we should appreciate everything and even the simple things, right? Yeah. 
Before we started this recording, my mom was talking about world events and, you know, different things that her and dad watch the news. And I don't think it's any surprise to anyone that I only get highlights of news. I do not spend my time watching the news. And, um, you know, I get, I I feel like I'm going to get the information that is really relevant and really important, or then I can go look something up. It always seems to make its way to me, but I don't spend time watching the news. But I want to ask you, Mom, why you do. Like, why should we pay attention to world events, whether we watch the news or we just look out into the world every once in a while, because that's how I do it. Like, I look out into the world once in a while, which makes me appreciate the fact that uh, that I have what I have in my life and that I'm so incredibly blessed. Is this why we should pay attention to world events? I, I just think that we should know what's going on. I, I, you know, I think when you watch the news, it can kind of dull your your um, sensitivity to it, and that and that's not good because, like a lot of the news. I mean, you hear about a plane crash, and you if you don't have anybody on that airplane, if it's way over in some other country or something, it doesn't impact you. But you have to realize that somebody, somebody lost family there. Somebody is definitely hurting. Somebody's caring. And, and I think as, as far as world events, you, you do have to pay attention. And, and if, you, if you don't pay attention uh, and, and don't... Um, you know, think about these things a little bit. You could have uh, a th- a thing like another Holocaust, or um, you know, there's what what's happening um, in China to some of those uh, weaker Muslim people. That that like we have to be outraged about some of those things because we're we take it for granted in Canada. But you know, if if there happened to be a war or something and that's that's why there's a lot of people who say you know they they don't think that we need to be uh have the queen as part of our and I think it's important to be part of the British Commonwealth because that's like having more family that you can turn to and that have the same um, that you're aligned with. Yeah. Mm. Yeah. Yeah. I see that. So that if you need it, it's like, you know, collectively somehow we can separate ourselves by race, by religion, by where we live when really, I mean, we're all human beings underneath it all. Yeah, we, yes, we are. But I mean, there, there are some, um, you know, governments or structures that, that want to be more powerful than anyone else. And we have to guard against that. We have to know what's going on in the world. That's beautiful. Yeah, I think so. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Thanks for sharing that mom. So I'm going to wrap things up and I just want to ask if there's anything, you know, final that you want to share that you haven't talked about already that you would want other people to, you know, I guess, pay attention to listen to. Well, is this going to be around Mother's Day that this is going to be? Yes, but it'll be played forever. Like it's... it's Okay, well, I just... Uh, I would just like to say uh, Happy Mother's Day to all young mothers, to older mothers, to grandmothers, to great-grandmothers. And I want to say that I have no idea why, but 
it surprised me how hard getting old is. And you have to kind of be prepared for that. I think we need to tell our kids that it is hard and that you need to so appreciate your young bodies. You need to be grateful for all of the all of the opportunities that still lie ahead of you. Things change so much when you get older. And yes, you get more wisdom and you get more acceptance. Um and you and and you get, I think, ready for the end to a certain extent. But and and you just love those little grandchildren and those little great grandchildren, the babies that come because they're and it doesn't matter if it's yours or someone else's, but they're all so sweet and they've got everything ahead of them and you just want for the world to be good for them. Beautiful. Don't take your youth for granted. Don't waste time. Um, listen to the advice of my mom. Now, mom, I always have uh, three closing questions that I ask all of my guests, and I'm not going to ask you all three because I think we've already kind of covered them, but I do want to ask you two of the three. The first one is if, if there was a book that you would really want to recommend to people for whatever reason, you don't even have to give, you know, an exact reason why you're recommending that. But if there was a book that was kind of life-changing for you, what would you, which book would you want to recommend? Oh my goodness. You should have warned me about that ahead of time. I don't know. You have uh, a lot of books that you've read. I do read. have a lot of books. Huh. Would you, what about Emmanuel? Emmanuel is a good one. What's the name of that book exactly? It's I'll put it in the show notes. It's yeah. okay, everyone. So yeah, that book my mom has shared with me, so I believe that that's one she'd want to share with you. And uh, I guess the very last thing, Mom, is that the foundation of this whole podcast is that, you know, I believe that every person has the ability to influence other people, which means they have the ability to lead others by sharing their experiences and their wisdom and their stories. Uh, what does leadership mean to you? And I'm going to close things off with that final question. I think that being honest is important. I think it's also um, accepting yourself that you are not, I mean, so many times when we're young, we try to fit in because we want to be part of something. And so we deny who we really are because we want to be part of a group or something. And I, and I, I think if we could just realize we don't need to. We're, we're like, I've learned that with my sisters. We're all of us really unique. We're really different from each other. And yet we, all of us have got the, you know, the, the right to be who we are. Like we just have the right to be who we are. And, and I, I think that, uh, you know, I think sometimes when when we see young people with uh you know that really go far out to be different is because they don't realize that they don't really have to they're unique without having to you know be who you are part of their hair green or whatever yeah. you know just be who you Not are that that's a bad thing but you know i like i just think yeah be who you are cuz you are special and that doesn't mean better than anybody else. It just means 
Nobody else is exactly you. And that's good. That's that's a good thing. That's It's good to be you. Thanks so much, Mom. Thank you for being here. I know this wasn't exactly uh, your thing to do. I want to I want to tell you I appreciate the fact that you did this. Thanks for being here and for being the mom and the example that you are. Okay, my pleasure. If you enjoyed this episode and it brought you value, make sure and share it with a friend or screenshot it and post it to your Instagram story or Facebook, tagging me at Corliss Co. I know the most precious of all commodities is your time, and I want to thank you all very much for spending this time with me today. Remember, you have the power to lead. Know your worth, embrace your value, see you have purpose, and be the leader you are meant to be.